MYP fam, what's going on? My name is Hector Santisteban, and I am your host. And this is the show that gives you the tactics and resources that you need to go out and grow a successful podcast. And we're also going to be bringing you some great stories of podcasters who are creating success in their own way. And today we have on Kate Walingua. She's the host of the Ignorance Was Bliss podcast. And she has a really touching story on the power of podcasting and how it really allowed her to have an outlet to find herself. I'm not going to get too much into the story. I'm going to let Kate tell it to herself. So without further ado, let's get into this interview with Kate Walingua, the host of the Ignorance Was Bliss podcast. Kate, welcome to the MYP show. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. We connected in the Discord community. So if you guys are not part of the, I believe it's called like the podcasters, podcasting community, such a great generic name, but we connected there and I saw your name popping up quite a bit. And I had reached out to the community to see who would be some great stories to share. And you're approaching almost 400 episodes, almost 5 million downloads. So I have 450 episodes and 1 million downloads. So almost 500 episodes. You're approaching almost 500 episodes, almost a million downloads. And I think a lot of talk in kind of the circles and the conversations that I've been having is what is a successful podcast? I would say that you have had a successful podcast. So my first question would be is what's been the secret to that success? I think it was super helpful to give myself permission to try things. What I wanted was a way of feeling competent and productive and creative again. So I worked full time. I'm a forensic psychologist by trade. And in 2014, I broke my back. Don't do that bad, bad like choice on my part. And I spent the first three and a half, four years sitting at home feeling sorry for myself about all the things I had lost and couldn't do, all of the connections I couldn't maintain. Like I can walk and that kind of thing, but it's difficult. And, you know, I just felt like I had done all of this effort to go through school and work and build up a reputation and that sort of thing. And then it was gone in a heartbeat. And I decided, you know what, let's try a podcast because I listened to a lot of them sitting home alone on my couch. And I tended toward history and true crime and nonfiction things because that's what made sense to me. And those were things I was familiar with. And I would often hear hypothetical questions about what does it mean to be not guilty by reason of insanity or what is schizophrenia anyway or things like that. And I would answer sitting alone on my couch six months after the episode had been recorded so the hosts weren't hearing me. And I decided, you know what, why don't I give it a shot? Let's try starting a podcast. Let's see what happens. And because it was not, I'm going to make money with this or I'm going to build a whole new life with this, but I'm going to try it and we're going to see. That allowed me flexibility to make changes along the way and course corrections. And as soon as you hit publish the first time, you are a podcaster. So I had done a thing and that was pretty cool. And five years later, here we are. I'd love to go back to that moment or that time when, I don't want to get a dramatic, but you had a big life shift, as my friend Matt Gilhooley would say, and you had some decisions in front of you. Why podcasting? What was it about podcasting that you saw? You could have written a book or done a blog or started a TikTok. There were all these different routes 
And what was it about podcasting that really appealed to you? Well, I couldn't have written at that time. I maybe could now. It's easier now. So I, I had a traumatic brain injury earlier in my life and had to completely learn how to handwrite as well as type again. My speech is halting at times. And all of that is tied in to the language centers of the brain and to where the brain damage actually is. And I can speak with less anxiety than I could write. So I decided, you know what? Let's start there. Maybe someday I'll write. And it turned out that I just really loved the medium. I really loved connecting with people. I started off as thinking that a podcast had to be very defined. It had to be a thing. And so my thing was that I was true crime adjacent. I was going to talk about forensic psychology and what it is and what it isn't and that kind of thing. And after maybe six months or so, I realized I don't want to be in just one genre. I want to talk to all kinds of people about all kinds of things that they're creating. And podcasting has the flexibility to let you do that without destroying your whole project, right? Whereas if I had been writing a book and I put six months into it and decided I want to do an entirely different genre, then you've just lost this incredible pile of effort. And this felt sort of lower barriers to entry and lower risk to try. Plus, I was just lonely, honestly. Like the idea of being able to talk to people again appealed. And there's also the terrible answer, but it is true that when you have kids, and I have four of them, there comes a point where you stop feeling like a person because you're so many people's mothers. And having a hobby that forced silence where they could not come in and just, hey, mom, hey, mom, watch, mom, watch, mom, watch, that really appealed to me greatly. So I love my kids, but I like them more when I have my own outlets for creativity. What an interesting take. Right before we hopped on, I had to, unfortunately, give my daughter a screen and say, sweetheart, I'm going to go record right now. So I totally get that. I, I didn't always connect or I haven't always connected the need for this outlet to be a better parent. And so I think that you really bring a great point that podcasting can be that thing. There's this quote that I heard at an event recently, and it was attributed to the Gospel of Thomas. And I don't actually know what book that is in, but it's in Gospel of Thomas. And it's something to the effect of, what you keep within you will destroy you, and what you bring forth from within you will actually save you. Basically, if you have something inside you, like you're talking about, that you want to get out there that doesn't actually get out, it's going to tear you up and it's going to eat you away on the inside. So did you have other moments or were there other times where you looked for that creative outlet or were there instances where you didn't have that creative outlet and you saw that kind of seeping out in other maybe not so positive ways? Well, for sure. I had the, the brain damage incident happened through a complicated birth when I had my third kid in 2010. And a lot of people who survived traumatic brain injury will tell you that we don't even realize we're masking early on. We just try to be the version of Kate that everybody around me knows. And so I spent years trying to meet these expectations of the people around me. And they don't ever tell you, hey, you're sounding like yourself today. But boy, do they let you know when you don't sound like yourself, when you speak unusually. I'm more emotional than I used to be. I'm more impulsive than I used to be, things like that. And my speech is different. I have to think harder to find words and that sort of thing. So I feel like I lost time and I lost self to that for a while and then realized, you know what? No, this is who I am now. The Kate that existed prior to 2010, that's not an exemplar. That's not a goal of that's who I need to be for the rest of my life. That's who I was then. That's great. Now what? 
first it was sort of forgiving myself for being fallible and being broken and putting some of those pieces back together. That was an important first step. And then I felt like I had gone back to work. I was just hitting my stride. I was functional again. And all I did was step wrong on a playground and broke my back. And I felt like the next three years, they were a real dark, real difficult time. And I was frustrated and I was, I felt robbed. I felt angry. And you try not to unload that on your kids, especially because mine were very small at the time. You try not to unload that on your partner, but it's got to leak out. My options were either that I would sort of snap at the people that I loved the most, or I would isolate from them. And neither of those is me bringing my best self to the couch or the table or whatever you want to call it, right? And when I started the podcast, first of all, it was with the full expectation of failure and being willing to accept that. I'd already lost a lot of other stuff. So if I tried a hobby and couldn't learn the technology or couldn't learn how to find people to talk to or whatever, I've had worse losses. So it felt low risk in that sense. But when it started to take off and I started having people contact me to say, can I come on to your show and talk to you? And people saying to me, I listened to this episode and it made a difference for me, or I really like how you worded that thing, or that guest that you had on was fantastic, or whatever it was. And I realized, like, I'm back. I'm back to feeling not productive in the capitalism sense of the word, but productive in the, my voice is literally able to impact people's lives. You don't feel as broken and as useless or as burdensome, which then makes me actually a better parent because I'm doing something that felt positive. I can show up at the family gathering and say, here's the thing I did today. And it's something different. And it's something new that for four years from 2014 to the start of 2018, it was basically the same answer all the time of, I didn't do much today and I'm in a lot of pain. That's it. That's all I got. And so you stop feeling like you have a starring role in your own life and you're just playing a supportive role in all these other people's lives. And suddenly now I come back in and I have a role to play in my own story. I have things to say that I got to talk to this cool person or I thought about this today. And it felt important again. I felt like I mattered. It's beautiful. And I appreciate you sharing that because I don't think we talk about that part of podcasting enough in the sense that it, sure it creates a platform and sure you can sell books and you can sell courses and there's all these things that can come along with it but I think for the host for so many hosts it gives them that outlet to be good at something that's why I chose podcasting what's something that I could be good at I started out in live streaming and youtubing I had a youtube channel and realized that I was not quite funny enough to hold people for live streams and I kind of had a face for podcasts if you will and so I can appreciate you leaning into that I'd like to go a little differently I'd like you to take us to the time where you were figuring things out because you mentioned that you had already accepted that things might fail and you might not figure out the tech and stuff like that so I would imagine that there was a learning curve for you in figuring this stuff out. You've got a cool setup, you've got a cool mic, you're 400 and some odd episodes in, you're a seasoned vet now. But I would imagine that that was a process. Can you take us through what that evolution looked like and how you managed to figure out and find some of these answers that it took together? I did a lot of asking questions. When I decided this was going to happen, I did a lot of 
hitting up the podcasters I already knew and just asking them, like, tell me three things that were indispensable to you in terms of hardware, software, and a trick or a tip that you learned. What is something I absolutely shouldn't bother with and what's something I definitely need to try? So I did a lot of that. The steepest part of the learning curve for me is the fact that I am on top of everything else. I'm a medical disaster, by the way. I know. I'm hard of hearing. I hear about 25% of what normal people do. And so the process of editing required, like I can do it, but it required a different approach. There's not a lot, you know, a lot of people told me, oh, just watch YouTube tutorials. Well, this was 2018, YouTube wasn't captioned reliably enough to use. And even if it was, most of the tutorials were saying things like, listen for the hum in the background or the hiss in the background or this sound or that sound or this gain. I literally cannot do those things. How am I going to figure this out? And so I learned from scratch by recording things. I carried my little laptop and my little blue snowball microphone around my house and spoke in it and sent little clips to hearing friends of mine to say, which one sounds the best? And the answer was the one that sounded the best was in my unfinished basement. So that's where I set up. And I'm still in the basement. We've just built me a studio now to be more reliable with it. I had hearing friends come and help set up Audacity, certain settings, so that when I do a noise reduction, for instance, it does decrease the noise the way it's supposed to without turning the voices robotic. I can't tell. So I had to have somebody come in and do that. And then ultimately, I had to learn how to edit visually. I know what an um looks like. I've just chosen to not make eye contact with them anymore. Like I just leave them in on my show. But you have to accept certain limitations. And I mean, literally a week ago. So after I had dropped episode number 450, after I had rolled over a million downloads. So I feel like I kind of know what I'm doing, right? I got a DM from a complete stranger on Facebook because that's always special. And by the way, I'm sitting at jury duty at the time. So you had this full picture of just what a great mood I'm in at the moment. And her feedback to me was, I don't like how you speak. In fact, your speech sucks because there's too many hesitations. Learn to speak better or stop podcasting. And I was like, oh, <laughs> well, you know, if I had gotten that kind of feedback in my first couple of episodes, I might have buckled to it. I might have said, Imaginately. but instead I was like, no, you know what? Thank you for your unsought feedback. I had traumatic brain injury and 13 years ago, couldn't pronounce my own name. So I feel like I'm doing pretty well. I wish you luck in finding someone who speaks the way you want them to. All of that is mic etiquette and editing. And all of that is a little bit different for me because of my own disabilities. And I have to accept a different degree of, there are people who say, throw out your first 10 episodes, record them, and then throw them out immediately because they're not going to be very good. And my answer to that is absolutely not. They're perfectly fine and let people hear your progress. Let people hear your improvement over time. I'm still learning tips and tricks about how to use Audacity better or how to set my mic up better, that kind of thing. I think if I had stopped learning by now, I probably would have lost interest. I just I can't say how awesome you are. You're in a really unique position that I've seen a few people get to and some close friends. They started a podcast not for a business, not for any other reason other than just to start a podcast. But now they've started it and now it's grown into something that now it's actually something and people are listening every week and it's built up some momentum. And so now I found that they have this, it's almost like a mid-show crisis. It's like a, 
well, how do I, what do I do now? How do I treat it now? Do I monetize it? Do I not? So how are you approaching the next part of your show with regards to everything that we just talked about? I've hit a decent stride in terms of, I worked through that, the mid-pod crisis that a lot of us go through of, should I monetize? Am I selling out? Whatever. And the answer is, I don't care if people want to label it as selling out. It's important to me for my own sense of pride and for a sense of sustainability that my hobby doesn't drag down the household's budget. So I needed to monetize in order to keep doing the thing. And so I tell people that I work full-time for part-time pay. That's what podcasting is. It's the same kind of thing where you see a bunch of kids playing basketball outside of an elementary school and they're all having fun and they're all going to tell you, I'm going to be in the NBA someday. And you're like, you're so not. You're literally not. But that's cute. I know podcasters who come in episode one going, we're here to monetize. We're here to make money. And I'm like, I hope I'm wrong, but maybe have a backup plan. Honestly, here's all of the information I can give you. And if anything I can offer helps, cool. But you and I are not playing the same game. And so I find myself very grateful and lucky for the fact that I was able to monetize and kind of push through that. One of my closest friends, who was another podcaster, told me, don't do it. It's selling out. And I was like, oh, okay. You don't understand why I'm doing the thing. Not a problem. I have to make my own decisions fundamentally. Making money is not a bad so I, I monetized at the end of my first year. I joined a network which then folded. When I say folded, I mean it collapsed and imploded in horrible ways and there's an ongoing lawsuit by many other podcasters against this. I cannot adequately and without swearing express what a nightmare this was. It was amazing. I lucked out, question mark, with the fact that my contract ended right before things went really badly. So I, things were already going badly and I just ended the contract and pulled out. And so that was the, at the end of year two, I was like, I'm not joining another network. And here I am five years in and I haven't been convinced to. And so I'm on a hosting platform that does have ads, but they don't make me sign like ongoing contracts. And that gives me some flexibility to feel like, okay, I'm not going to get caught in another one of those network nightmares. And the reality is most networks are great. They're run by well-intentioned people who know what they're doing. And I just had the luck, I guess, to watch my own, not mine, mine, but you know what I mean, the one that I was a part of fall apart. And I also observed from the sidelines as another one fell apart. And that's scary. And that's the thing about whenever you monetize, whenever you join a network, is you start handing a little bit of control to other people. And sometimes that's helpful because they're supporting you, but other times you're letting go of control of your baby. And that's a scary, intense thing. So where I'm at now is not so much, like I'm comfortable with the the mindset about where I'm at with monetizing. I don't want to do certain things. For instance, I'm not interested in doing host-read ads for things because I don't want to have to go back three years later and remove host-read ads. Turns out, the CEO of a given company is problematic in some way or something like that. Other people can take that risk. I'm just, I just want to make new stuff. I don't want to go back and fix the old stuff. What I am focused on though is finding the balance. And I think this is always going to be a challenge. I think it's a challenge for most podcasters between finding guests who have already met achievements they've been aiming for, found successes that they wanted to, but also finding guests who haven't yet. So my, my show is an interview conversational style show. And I don't like it. It's my it's a personal dislike for me if someone says, 
oh, you got that person on your show? That's a good get. And I don't like that because I feel like literally every guest I have is a good get. Everybody has a story. And I stopped checking downloads for individual episodes a long time ago because, of course, bigger names, actors, authors, bigger named podcasters, whatever household names, they will get more downloads, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's a better episode. And it's not my favorite, but it's the episode that I've gotten the most feedback from is with a a friend of mine who doesn't have a podcast or a book. They have a bunch of really interesting hobbies. And I thought that's what we were going to talk about. And then a couple of minutes in, they dropped the fact that, oh yeah, when I was in my 30s, I was diagnosed with autism. And I said, talk about that. Was that a positive? Was that a negative? How was that for you? And I've gotten emails and DMs from people saying, I'm going to call my own doctor. I had a wonderful conversation with my kid the other night. I understand my partner or my siblings better. Hearing that conversation has literally changed my life. And I'm like, that's success. That is it. And if I had stopped the podcast the day after that episode had gone out, it still would have been a success. So I have to keep that in mind when I have these opportunities to have people. Of course, I want to talk to people who are already successful. I want to learn things from them. I want to engage with people that I think I know and find out like, okay, but what do you like when you're not reading a script? But you also got to engage with people who are still learning because sometimes they ask questions in a way that I've never thought of, or they mention an assumption that they have. And I can be like, oh, wait, no, don't do that. Do this or whatever, you know, and it keeps me more engaged in the moment. And that's the goal. I think the podcast will continue until it becomes rote, until it becomes easy. And that's when it's not a success anymore. You've handled it so well, and I want to continue to blow smoke your way because you handled the mid-pod crisis very well, and I think it's something that people, like you said, they have to make their own decisions about, and I want to affirm you for that. The show is Ignorance Was Bliss, and I'd imagine you can find it on all the most podcast places. Is it video or just audio? Just audio. Just audio. Can you take 30 seconds to talk about your opinions or reasons for doing audio and is you have intentions to do video one day? Is it never going to be video, only audio? I know people have differing opinions there. I don't think that I'll do... I don't watch video podcasts, so I probably won't make one for this. There's always other shows that I kind of have on the back burner of maybe I'll try this, maybe I'll do that. And I've appeared on other ones. I just find it difficult. Yours, this right now is released as audio only or video? We do both now. Okay. So you can see that I'm looking down all the time because I have to watch your mouth in your body language to know what you're saying. It's more natural for the listener to respond if I'm looking at the camera and speaking like this. And I don't mind doing that, but it's exhausting. And then I can't have that backup to know what you're saying. So I'd rather have a genuine connection with my guests on my show. But if I ever do a scripted show, if I ever do like a history or true crime show myself, then I will likely try and include a video aspect to it. Very cool. I appreciate that perspective and I appreciate you bringing up the accessibility part of podcasting. That's something that came up in a Twitter space that we did a couple of months ago about inclusivity. And it was a a Twitter space for women in podcasting, but the conversation got expanded to how can we not only be more inclusive to to everybody, right? Not just women. And the accessibility thing is a great topic. Is there anywhere else that people should go and stay connected with you or anywhere else other than the podcast that people might go? I'm online far too much. So people can find me at IWB Podcast on all of the social medias and wherever works best for 
for them. I'm sort of who I am with different spins. You know, Facebook, I'm more just myself and I'll have photos of my kids here and there. Twitter is more podcast and I used to have my logo rather than my face as my profile pic. So I use them differently. But IWB podcast, wherever. Thank you, Kate, for stopping by today. And MYP fam, I'd encourage you guys to go listen and get connected with Kate. Appreciate you being here and we will see you on the next one. Thank you.